much and take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah 26, verses 19 through 21 in the sermon I've, uh, I've titled, The Rest of the Story. And, <clears throat> you know, we, we live in an age that, uh, as the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, that wickedness abounds in this world. And we see it about us, it just seems to have grown and grown and grown in our country. And in a country where we're founded with a, a constitution, we call it the Judeo-Christian ethic. Uh, have you ever thought of this? Now, we will have the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag uh, in our school each day. When we have patriotic services, we make sure that we include that. And I was thinking the other day of that pledge, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, and that's where I want to stop, one nation under God. You know when that was first given, and I won't finish the rest, but I'm making a point here. One nation under God. The, originally, when they devised that for that, the way they were supposed to say it was, one nation under God, indivisible. Instead, they stopped and they said, one nation under God. Okay, and we did that, I think, for the children. They'd be saying the pledge, one nation under God, indivisible. Okay, well, we was kind of hoping that as they grew older, wiser, that they'd say it the way it was written to be, one nation under God, indivisible. Because you don't divide a nation when the entire nation's under God. You see, that's why it was written that way. And so often we, we miss things that are so available. Now, uh, you know, I, I, I just want to pray for people that have their children in public education. Uh, you have the Disneys, you have all these other things where uh, the, the gender thing. I, I don't know if they have ever done an ultrasound and said, okay, you're going to have a transgender baby. No, I, that just doesn't happen. I, I don't go along with that transgender. But let me say this. I'm against the sin, the philosophy, the theory out of hell of transgenderism. But I believe every transgender person can be saved. They'll, they'll turn to Christ in repentance and faith. And so uh, we need to have that heart about it. But for the transgenderism itself, for the philosophy, for the teaching, for its falseness throughout, no. I, I'm not going to in any way from this pulpit or in my personal life endorse transgender. Amen. I won't even drive a Trans Am. So, I, you know, so I'm not going to get involved in that, okay? So, again, yet there are people caught up in it. And they need to be saved. They need to be saved. And if you have doubts about that, sometime read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, where it says, And such were some of you. And so make sure you do that. But starting in our, uh, our text now, we, we start here with uh, <clears throat> Isaiah 26, verse 19. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead dead body, shall they arise, awake, and sing, ye that dwell in dust. 
for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and earth shall cast out the dead. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be past. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, as we look at this last part now, this series of messages, I just pray that we'd see that though we don't know the day or the hour, that we need to always be ready for the coming of the Lord. And we're told lives are lost in this hurricane, Lord, and it's too late if they weren't saved for them to get saved. It's too late for those who were saved to try to turn things around to do better for the Lord. It's too late. But Lord, for those who are still alive, still walking, still breathing on the face of this planet, there's still hope. And help us to walk in a way that we can be used of thee to spread that saving gospel of Jesus Christ to each one. And I would ask this in your blessed and holy name, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, and we ask to the glory of the Father in Jesus' name. Amen. As you read the 26 chapters you go throughout, you, you're going to realize if you really let the Lord speak to you that some parts are talking about the tribulation, some parts are talking about the millennium, some parts will uh, be looking at uh, even judgment. And so uh, I just want you to be aware of that as we go on. Now, this is the last sermon actually in the series. I started on the rapture and I titled it the uh, pre-tribulation rapture in the Old Testament. And I, I just want you to see that it's through the Bible, but I want you to see that in the New Testament, uh, various things that we hit about the rapture, about those that have heard the gospel, had the opportunity to be saved, they were under conviction of the Holy Spirit, but they rejected it, and they died without Christ, and they went to hell. Or they'll be left behind at the rapture, and they won't be able to be saved. They won't be able to be saved, but then on the other hand, those that never got to hear the gospel, uh, there is that chance, but again, the chance includes this. In the tribulation, when people turn to Jesus Christ, <clears throat> it may cost them their head, and literally their head. Some were beheaded for the name of Christ and for the Word of God. Now, we take a stand on the King James Bible. We take a stand on Jesus Christ as the <clears throat> only way of salvation. We take that stand unashamedly. But to do that in the tribulation may cost a person their head as they behead them and do other torturous things perhaps before they even do that. And so I'm just saying that uh, as we go through this, just realize that uh, this doctrine is not just a New Testament doctrine. It is Old and New Testament. 
He has called those that have been saved since uh, the New Testament, you might say, they call those the bride of Christ. Uh, but God always called Israel his wife, too. So uh, don't say, well, we replaced Israel. We don't. We don't. God made an eternal promise to Israel, and he makes eternal promises to us. And God does not make, break his promises at all. And when he said, I would have everlasting life, as I come to him through repentance and faith, I did, and I have it. Amen. Now, the thing is, I want to finish this life with a well-done, good and faithful servant, not saved so as by fire. I, I want to show that I love my Lord. I want to show that I served Him and, uh, and did my best to bring souls to the Savior. That's what we all need to do. It's not just the preacher does that. No, all of us need to do that. All of us need to have that in us. So, uh, do this to see, so that you could see this Bible doctrine is not just a New Testament doctrine. I preached a sermon on the, the pre-tribulation rapture back in 2007. It's on our website. In 2007, that title, The Pre-Tribulation Rapture. Now, we've got different sermons on the rapture, the pre-tribulation. So, if you look at the pre-tribulation rapture, it brings up several different sermons on our website. Just realize, if it's dated 2007, that's the main one I'm talking about because it's been downloaded now over 4,100 times. And so, it's had a lot of uh, people listen. People have made comments on there that you can read as well. But it is there. So, having said all that, what you need to see here is the context of this chapter. It, it starts out by looking at the coming millennium. The, the right perspective as a Christian from God's Word will always, always be understood better and help us more if we stay on the right track of what God is actually saying within the context of His Word. Uh, sometimes you get these guys that come in with all these different philosophies and things, and they want to introduce new things, and uh, that's always something that's going to take you off onto the wrong path. I talked with a man who was, this years ago, who was uh, a roommate of J John MacArthur. And when John MacArthur said it was only the death, not the blood of Jesus, it was important, of course, that was wrong. And I asked him, I said, you, you were up there with him, you know what? What happened there, you know? And he said, John hasn't changed. He says, when he was in college, he was the same way. He wanted to say something nobody else had ever said before. And when he did, he usually got himself in trouble. And, uh, and he said, that's, that's what happened here. Now he's backtracking. And so, and I'm glad he backtracked. At least he backtracked on that. Okay, now, now he's uh, gone back. So, well, that's not what I really meant to say. But nonetheless, he wrote it. Uh, but verse 1 says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land. Of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation. Okay. Salvation will God appoint forth walls and bulwarks. Well, now that's the day after Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation. The armies of the world have been destroyed. And he sets up Jerusalem. A new temple will be built, although they had a temple in the tribulation. 
But that was man's direction, not God's direction at that moment. And so they're talking about the safety. We have Jesus, the King of kings. He is here to uh, protect us. Now at the time, uh, perhaps, they, well, they don't know the name of Jesus. They just know that there's a Messiah coming. So Messiah's return, and he's setting up the millennial kingdom. And it is assured. And this is written like it is a sure thing because it is a sure thing. And so they are given uh, the way uh, to hold up now with the things they're going through now, how they are to hold up with the pressures of the day, the stress of the day, when they're under attack. In verses 3 and 4 here of this chapter, he says, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You've got to be in the Word of God to have your mind in him. But then you've got to obey the Word of God, and that shows that you're actually trusting it because you're obeying it. You're living by it. Say, just saying, I, I trust God, but we don't live by his Word. You're not trusting God. Now, we can go into a lot of things about what's trusting God and his Word. Now, one of the popular ones preachers like to use, and I guess we do like to use it, but not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. Some have tried to change that entire meaning so that they don't have to be in church. And they'll, they've found a theologian somewhere along the line that uh, changes it, and then they'll get a Bible translation to change, whatever, not to obey God. If you've got a King James Bible, you've got it right. So, just obey God. Let that mind be in you so that you know that anything that goes against the Word of God is wrong. It is wrong. And don't be uh, deceived by it. He says, trust you in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, uh, we're told there, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all Thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. <clears throat> now, I don't know about you, but there are times I want to know the Lord's will for something, and I've prayed to him, and I've asked him about it. <clears throat> I didn't get his answer right away. So, what do you do? You wait on the Lord. He has an answer, but we don't always get it as soon as we want. So you just wait. You know, the word wait means to wait a table uh, as it's used in the book of uh, Psalms. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait. He shall renew your strength. When you see wait, a lot of times in the Bible, it's the idea of just like a person waits a table at a restaurant. They're taking care of the customer. They're taking care of all that needs to be done, going by what needs to be done until they're led to the next step. So you serve the Lord. You're in His Word. You're a witness. You're faithful. You do the things you ought to do. That's waiting on the Lord till He directs you maybe some way else in ministry and how you serve Him through your local church. And so that's all there of God. So again, have peace in the midst of tribulation. Verses 3 and 4 serve as hope in this chapter uh, to help us uh, stay true to God's Word, to stay true in life's storms, keeping your mind on Him. So this calls for us to stay in God's Word. Meditate. Ask God to teach it to you as you read. Let His Spirit teach you the things of God's Word so that when He comes, He rules. 
with the rod of iron, and you're ruling and reigning with him. Now, in the inhabitants of the earth will learn righteousness. When he comes, he sets up that kingdom. Isaiah chapter 11, you read that, it tells you about the, the lion and the lamb laying down together, feeding together. A child shall be able to play on the cockatrice den. They will not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, he says. As a matter of fact, uh, as I've been studying Zephaniah, I see also that we're all going to be, it's going to all be of one language, just like it was before the fall of man. Like it was until just after the flood, and they tried to build a tower. And then God had to confuse the languages. Well, that'll be taken care of when he comes back. We're going to find out in the millennium, the people of the earth will find out in the millennium that are here, what God had intended had Adam and Eve not sinned. That's the way it would have been. So, uh, all of that is coming in that day. Verse uh, uh, 10, as we look at it, it reminds us that the tribulation, there are many who don't repent out of fear of being put to death. And it tells me something else. They're fearing man more than they fear God. There are things sometimes we're told to do by perhaps government, others' authorities in our lives that aren't right. They're sinful, they're wrong. And you say, no, this is what God said, I'm going to do what God said. It could cost a job, it could cost you something else. But that also shows that you feared the, the action of man more than you fear the chastening and the scourging of God, which means that you have a greater faith in man than you do God. You say, no, I don't. Well, I hope you don't. But action speaks so much louder than words. Our faith must be in God, and when things look bad, when things look hard, you don't abandon Him because He's not going to abandon you. He knows what you're going through. Sometimes you sit down and you listen to somebody tell you, or maybe you can read of how they did people on a cross. He could have come down at any moment if he wanted to, but he didn't. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Why? Because faith, he demonstrated in his human body, faith for the joy that was set before him. He left us an example by that. And so, so Often people are just lacking faith to do God's will, God's way at all times. And so the world gets deceived. The world gets deceived about things of the Word of God. And they get led into thinking things doctrinally wrong, but also practically wrong. And so we need to behold the majesty of the Lord. As Christians, we need to seek to turn people to repentance and faith. 
In the tribulation, when they turn people to repentance and faith, those people may die, and those trying to turn others to repentance and faith would die for it as well for doing so. We next see in verses 17 and 18 of the text. This sounds like suffering and staying true in the tribulation hour. Like as a woman with child that draweth near the time of her delivery and is in pain and crieth in her pangs, so have we been in thy sight, O Lord. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. Pain, fear, great it is. But oh, the joy when you think of the illustration being used of a woman bringing forth a child and the pain involved <clears throat> without the epidural ladies. But you think about the pain involved in childbirth. And yet, that's been compared to going through the tribulation hour. As they've done that. Yet when someone gets saved, it's like that parent that's gone through all the pain. That lady has gone through all the pain of, of childbirth. And this wife of Christ, this bride of Christ, they bring someone to Christ. Oh, there may be all the pain, but you know, when I see people, they bring their, that newborn into church for the first time, what are they doing? They're showing it off. Rightly so. It's a gift from God. They're proud of that baby. They're thankful for what God gave them. There's nothing wrong with that. God is going to make up His jewels, we're told. We get to be a part of that. And so, when you look at things of that nature, you, you see what they're going to go through in the tribulation, though, is like the pain of childbirth for standing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18 goes on to say, We have not wrought any deliverance in the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. No matter what stand we took, no matter how hard we stood for right, we didn't change the world. You know, that says something just by itself about the doctrine of free will. The world was not predestined to not change. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, if that is wrong, then God's a liar, but God's not a liar. He is willing that all should come to repentance. But that tells you, for them to come to repentance, they have to have a free will to do so. That's why somebody says, you know, Calvinism is a very intellectual thing. Yeah, it's born in the mind of men, but not in the heart of God. You see, that's the difference. So, with this context, this chapter, you look in verses uh, 5 through 17, it warns of the tribulation, the trials, and, and exhorting to stay true to God regardless, in prayer, in faith, in service, then Jesus comes at the end of that tribulation 
and then there's that deliverance. But there are people that died in the tribulation. There are people that were put to death for the faith. Revelation 6 talks about them. They're under the altar. They're souls that were put to death for the testimony of Christ and the Word of God. They're beheaded. Now their spirits are there under the altar. And they say, oh Lord, how long, holy and true, that dost thou not avenge us? And he gives robes to each of those spirits. Hang on. The rest are going to join you. Now, understand, the rapture before the tribulation, which would be us, all that have received Christ as Savior, they will already have been raptured. They'll be with the Lord. But what about this group? They too. Remember John, the apostle, in the book of Revelation, he's brought up into heaven, and he sees a man, and he falls on his face to worship him. He says, worship me not, for I am of thy brethren, the prophets. He was not Christ. He was not God. But he was of his brethren, the prophets. But he's clothed in that new body that's fashioned like into Christ's glorious body. And what is it about that body? I don't know, but if it was enough that it would cause the apostle John to fall on his face, who was given this revelation, to begin to worship, that body we receive must be really something. But oh, I wonder how good that body looks if there's no gold or silver or precious stones adorning the body because one is saved so as by fire. So verse 19, which was our text, Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body shall they arise. Oh, even though the pain is as a woman in childbirth without any help whatever of anesthetics or anything of that nature. He says, Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body, shall they arise, awake, and sing, ye that dwell in dust. Yeah, I think some are burnt to ashes in that tribulation as well. For thy dew is as the dew of the herbs, the idea of, is that the, that dead person, that dew, and you see the herbs begin to blossom as the dew is upon it, and their life becomes anew as they're changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, just like those that were raptured before the tribulation started. And the earth shall cast out her dead. You see, they have a resurrection as well. Now, that dead man shall live together with my dead body. There rose up. You say, well, how can that be? I thought there was only one resurrection, and maybe two, but Jesus is the first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15, 23, it says, 
But every man in his own order. Okay. If I'm here and I say, okay, all deacons come up to front. Not everybody's going to get up and walk up. There's just going to be men that are deacons. Okay. Everyone in his own order. Christ the first fruits. And I like the first fruits. Plural. Christ the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. That's us. But really, we're caught up to meet him in the clouds. So we're at his coming, a part of the first fruit. A part after that, he's the first fruits. We're a part of that resurrection. But that resurrection is not over. If it's over, then that means that these people in the tribulation can't be saved. And so, in pertaining to that then, Christ at his coming, he comes back at the end of the tribulation. We're, we meet him in the clouds. They meet him here. And so, that is the part of the first fruits, all of that. Because God saves his own, that's why he uses the term first fruits and does it in the plural. His resurrection was 2,000 years ago. The first fruits. This is the rest of the fruit. They arise at his command. Jesus is the water of life. As he said in John chapter 7, verse 38, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You see, it's not just, I believe in Christ. But he says it's based on the fact that the scriptures have said that's the only way. That so forth, therefore, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. No one will come to Jesus Christ to have salvation if they're depending on being a member of Central Baptist Church or any church or any religion. Only Jesus Christ. That's the only way. The earth casting out her dead as dew upon the herbs, causing them to spring forth with life. Like Christ's glorious body. And as Philippians chapter 3, verse 21 promised us, He'll change our vile body that may be fashioned like unto His glorious body. And at verse 20, I kind of think of the rapture involved there. But here you have tribulational people saved in the tribulation, Jews as well as Gentiles got saved there, there at that time. He says, Come, my people. Enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until thy indignation be overpassed. You see, people raptured at the end of the tribulation, They're raptured before Jesus really pours out 
that wrath on so many and does these other things. And there's going to be a time to end of the millennium as well because that's a thousand year reign. Then Satan is loose for a little season during that time to go out and deceive the nations. They'll bring armies against Jerusalem, then they're destroyed once and for all. But those people are already saved, so they don't have to worry about a rapture. They didn't get killed in the millennium. They will not kill nor destroy in all of His holy mountain. Only those that die are those that die during that millennium. Without Christ, they've rejected Him. So, this is the people of the future. And they are with Him. Now, so, he said to shut the doors, as it were, for a little moment. You know, the idea is that when he comes back at the end of that tribulation, and those people are caught out so they don't have to be a part of it. Can you see if we're in heaven with him as we would be if you're saved already? Be able to those armies that are coming back with him. Those people, don't watch your friends. Don't watch those people that you know. Go within your chambers. You don't want to see what's happening to them. You want to see what I'm going to do for you. Oh, what a difference that is. That's why we must rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. Oh, you say, but what about us during the tribulation? I think that's why Revelation chapter 19 tells us about the marriage feast of the Lamb. We're there with Jesus Christ at a marriage feast, not looking at what's going on on this earth. I've had people ask me as a pastor, I guess, because I'm a pastor, say, do you think that they see what we're doing right now? Do you think they're in the presence of an all-holy God wanting to look down on our sin? Do you think they want to be in heaven and enjoying that great beauty? And say, oh, well, we'd rather sit, look down there and watch what's going on. No. Knowing that this whole world lieth in wickedness, they instead, I believe, if anything, they pray for us. I got a mother, a dad, a brother. My wife has all her siblings up there, as well as her parents. Yeah. I think being with the Lord, they do pray for us. But you know, I think mostly, even if they've been up there these years now, even those that have died back there, the Apostle Paul, beheaded, I think they're still beholding the presence of the Lord, the holiness of heaven, and they're not really wanting to look at anything else. They know what's coming, and they know the heart of the Lord, and I'm sure they would pray accordingly. Do I want people up there to know what's going on? There's one thing they'll know that's going on. Anytime one repents, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Who's in the presence of the angels? Those saints aren't angels, but they're in the presence of them. And when that's reported, another one got saved. And they say, 
Joe Smith got saved today. They rejoice. And it's not just Joe Smith's relatives that are there. It's all of heaven rejoices anytime one gets saved. You want to move heaven? Get saved. If you're a Christian, you want to move heaven again? Get right with God. Get your life straightened out. Do what God would have you to do and give it all to Him. But my friend, you know if you die today that heaven's your home. Are you certain heaven is your home? Can you give a Bible reason why you know heaven is your home? Then my counsel, my advice that I give you, I believe I'm giving it as directed by the Lord. Don't play Russian roulette with your soul. Get right with God today. Let's bow our heads.